so amazing to see that there's just young people passionate for God. God's raising up a generation. I tell you, it's crazy, but I forgot what I was doing here on like a Thursday night. I think we were, we were doing some, something up there and like in the intern's room. And I walk upstairs and I look in where the teens are, uh, where they're doing their services. So like shout out to everyone that's part of the teens ministry. Like honestly, what God is doing there, it's, it, it's insane. I walk in, we, I see like 50 something teens like literally raising their hands praying, seeking Jesus, and that's, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's a, a young generation that's rising up. Like, it's, it's so cool because, honestly, when I was growing up, my teenage years, yeah, I didn't, it didn't register that I can praise God like that with so much freedom, that I can be connected to Jesus in such a way at such a young age. So it's just so awesome to see what, what God's doing in our teens. Like, it's seriously, it's incredible. But I just want to, Kind of share what's been on my heart lately, especially this past, this past week, probably two weeks. But um, before uh, we start, I'm just going to pray and so we can just bow our heads. And I'm just going to just thank God for what he's going to do tonight for just, just everything. And Jesus, right now, Lord God, we just completely just fix our eyes upon you, Lord. We just posture our hearts, Lord God, just to receive from you, Lord God. Not to receive from man, Lord God, but to receive from you, Lord God. As Apostle Paul said, I, I do not come with the wisdom of man, but, when, but with power and demonstration of the Spirit, Lord God. We pray, Lord God, that by, that by the power of the Spirit, Lord, your name, Jesus, be lifted up on high. Nobody else's name but your name, Jesus. So we just fix our eyes upon you, Lord, and we just thank you for what you're going to do in this place. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. amen. This is so cool. So um, if y'all just want to flip to Hebrews 9, if y'all got a Bible, flip it. If y'all got your iPhones, iPads, whatever, do what you got to do, slide your fingers. But before we uh, go into it, I was just thinking as we were driving here, it's crazy how we are such, well, let me start with this way. We have it so good, like straight up, we have it so good in so many areas of our lives. Like if I want clothes, I go to the store and I get it. Like it's available. I go to the mall, I go get clothes. If I'm hungry, no matter where I'm at, like in the middle of nowhere, there are, like if you have to stoop that low to get, go to McDonald's if you're in the middle of nowhere. But like you can be anywhere in the world, well, not everywhere, but in at least civilized place. <laughs> My bad, I think I heard some feelings. Guys, I apologize. I'm not trying to be like, no, but we want food, we're hungry, we can get it. We can get it in five minutes in a drive-thru. We want to contact somebody. We pull out our phones. We contact them. We can get into contact with somebody instantly. We want to get. We want to see what someone's doing across the world. We just go on Instagram and we just see. Oh, well, look. Let's see what they posted on their story today. And we have it so good. We have it so so good. So I mean, and like, even when it comes to, like, this might sound a little, uh, like, whoa, way out there, but. Even when it comes to experiencing God, coming to the presence of the king, 
we have it so, so good. And let me explain myself. Because Jesus done it all. He, he laid his life. You know, his blood was shed. The veil was torn. We know, we know everything that Jesus did. And just tonight, I really, really want to just hit on kind of, I want to bounce uh, between the Old Testament and kind of like the New Testament. And so, um, but we're, but we're going to be sticking on Hebrews. So as we stick in here, just really try to follow along because I really believe that it's very profound and it's something that we almost, in our walk with Jesus, we can almost forget really what Jesus has done and how, how we have it so amazing. So let's start with Hebrews 1. We're going to be doing some reading. We need a, we're going to be doing reading because I need help, and the Word of God is the best place to get help from. So <laughs> come on, we're just going to stick to the Word, and we're going to let the Word do its, do its thing. The Spirit of God's going to move. He's going to touch people. He's going to set people free. So we're just going to let God do his thing. So Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. Now even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which there was a lampstand and the table and the bread of the presence. It is called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a second section called the most holy place, having the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a gold urn holding the manna, an Aaron's staff that budded. So all these things have like crazy meanings. And the tablets of the covenant, which were the um, tablets of the Ten Commandments, and the tablets, oh sorry, and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot speak in detail. So before I continue, I just really just wanted to lay out the scenario of what we got going on here. Because it's very profound. It's very just, it's mind-blowing. So what we have is a tent. We have a tent. <laughs> Come on. No. no, we have a tent. We have two sections. First section, when you walk in, you have the place uh, called the uh, it's called the holy place. Very simple, the holy place. You walk in the holy place, <laughs> guys. <laughs> you walk in through the second curtain, and you got the most holy place. So, in the in the place of the most holy place, so the second part once you pass the uh, the second curtain in the most holy place, you have the the urn that is holding the manna, and you have the uh, staff of, uh, that budded. So that's like, if you guys remember that whole deal, it was about Aaron, and it's how he was chosen to be the, the high priest. His, uh, the staff budded because there was a whole bunch of like, confusion. So pretty much in the Ark of the, um, of the Covenant were these just three things, and they have a crazy meaning, so I just really recommend just to research about the three things that were in the Ark of the Covenant, but we're not going to get there. Um, and so those things, these holy things, are in the Ark of the Covenant. And then what you have, when you have uh, the Ark of the Covenant, it's sitting there. And there's two cherubim, which are like these winged things. <laughs> and, they're, and they're going like this on both sides. So imagine, this is the Ark of the Covenant. There's one going like this. And there's another 
going like this. And in between, what you have is you have the mercy seat. And mind, all of this is just covered in gold. Like this is like the highest quality of the highest quality. All, um, it's, it's, uh, it's gold plated, uh, but what's underneath is this uh, really strong wood. And they say that this wood is the strongest wood that's ever been made. And so that's why when God was uh, making the tent, when he was making the Ark of the Covenant, he gave specific instructions for all this material to be made. And it's just incredible how God just plans everything out and, how, and just how holy everything really is. And um, so I just kind of want to describe that. So you have the holy place, and then you walk through the curtain, and then you have the most holy place. So keep that in mind. And we'll continue. Verse 6. These preparations having thus been made, the priests go regularly, regularly into the first section performing their ritual duties. But into the second only the high priest goes, and he but only once a year. So think about this. You got the most holies. I mean, you got the holies where just your priest can go, the priests that were ordained. And then once a year, you, uh, it's uh, the, only the highest priest, the priest of all those priests can go into the most holy place. And so we're just going to continue. But in the second, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year and not without and now without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened, as uh, long as the first section is still standing. So there's a whole profound meaning of, of, of just that part, which we're going to step into, uh, go into, but we're just going to continue. And according to his arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food, drink, and uh, various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of reformation. Dang, okay, <laughs> so that's uh, a lot, but when, when God was creating um, this, the whole uh, place for the high priest to go um, to make sacrifice for the for the um, sins of Israel, he did it in the, um, at once a year, there was a day called the Day of Atonement, which the high priest would come in, and this was a holy day. Every, like, on this day, everyone is like, it's a big deal. And the priest would come in, and he would take the blood that is sacrificed from the bulls, the goats, everything, and he would go and he would go to the most holies, because he, he was the only one that was allowed to go. And he would step into the most holies, and where the mercy seat, remember how I said there's a cherubim on both sides, and you had the mercy seat? He would come, and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat. And that was for the unintentional sins of Israel. So if you just think it's so crazy how for the unintentional sins of Israel, like just an unintentional sin that you would do that wasn't that um, that wasn't that another blood sacrifice wasn't um, uh, sacrificed for one of your other sins or something. These were the uh, this in this moment, all the unintentional sins of Israel were being forgiven, and it's such a holy moment that if the high priest wasn't um, uh, how to say uh, consecrated, 
if there was any evil within his life, he would step foot in and he would just be, he would literally, he can just be struck down by the power of God. That's like, that's how crazy it is, guys. Like any unholiness that entered into the place of the holiest of holies would be just struck down. And so, it's crazy because as I was reading in, um, in uh, chapter 9, and I came into uh, verse 8, and it said, By this the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy places has not yet been opened as long as the first section is still standing. So I was just thinking, thinking, and as I was just kind of pondering, and the reason why the, the way into the holy place was not yet open because of the actual, ta- well, um, the, everything was because we still had the tabernacle. There was no sacrifice that was pure enough, that was strong enough for everyone to access into the holies of holies. There was no goat, there was no, no animal sacrifice that was pure enough. And so this is where I, um, we're going to be going forward. This was kind of like the old covenant that was before Israel and God. And we're going to be stepping into um, um, just what it means, what that means with Jesus. Like, what does Jesus have to do with this in the mix? St- stay with me, guys. I promise it won't be as, uh, as boring as it might sound right now. But when we continue in uh, verse 11, in uh, Hebrews 9, verse 11, but when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. He entered once and for all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of flesh, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from the dead, from dead works to serving a living God? Guys, I feel like I don't even have to say any more because that's so just, it's mind-blowing. When I was preparing this message and I was just reading, because I've been reading this for about like the past two weeks, just trying to dissect kind of what's going on here. And I was like, like today when I was uh, just coming and preparing everything, putting together, man, there was just like a trembling that came over me, like where it was like a fear of the Lord. It was just, wow, Jesus, I can't believe that you appeared as the highest priest. Guys, the blood of goats and animals didn't cut it. They were not pure enough. They had to send once a year a priest to come in and to make a, a blood sacrifice because God's eye needed to, be, needed to see the people of Israel through, through the blood that was sacrificed. Because if there was no blood that was sacrificed, he saw Israel as through, 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 uh, through their sin, as their sin. And it sounds crazy, I know, but it's the truth. 
There was blood that had to be shed. And, there, and that's why on the Day of Atonement was such a big deal because it was on that day where the, where, um, when the high priest would come in where it's like, okay, Israel, another year. The sins have been forgiven. Another year, we're going. Jesus, thank you for, uh, not, God, thank you for withholding your wrath upon us. Thank you. Thank you for withholding your wrath. So that's why it's very, uh, to, to grasp that, it's, it's very, very important. So we're going to continue. So we, we, we kind of stepping um, from how the blood and the goats to Christ appearing as the high priest. And so we're going to uh, go forward to um, verse 15. I know it's a lot of reading, but let's just, uh, let's just go there. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant, for there will be a will, for, for where a will is involved, the death of one who made it must be established. So let me just kind of like gather my thoughts here, but and read my notes. When we read, when we read that Jesus came and he died as the high priest, I want to paint this picture and it's gonna be kind of it's gonna sound pretty, pretty crazy. But if you could just imagine this. So you have the tent, the holy place, and then you walk through the veil or the curtain, and then you have the most holy place. I want to give you an illustration of what it meant when Jesus came as the high priest. Jesus coming in through the holy place, ripping down that curtain, putting his blood on the mercy seat, where the, where the, where the, where the uh, high priest of Israel would have to go every single year on the day of atonement. Let me, let me tell you this. When Jesus came and he shed his blood on that mercy seat, it was done once and for all. It was done once and for all. And it, that's why it's so crazy because that's why I was trembling because that's that's our Jesus he came as the highest priest and uh we're not gonna we're not gonna go um very long so if we could just have Emma maybe just jump on the keys we're gonna we're gonna go in and we're gonna just press in but what this means as Jesus being the highest priest in our lives is that the, the Day of Atonement, Jesus, the, the final, the, the, the greatest sacrifice that was brought forth, the New Covenant. So we talked about the Old Covenant, covenant and now we have the New Covenant, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus laying down his life. Actually, I'm going to go back to this. This is, this is pretty cool. 
It says, for where a, a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. So check this out. It's saying that there was a will, that, that when Jesus died, um, that there was a will, and that will finally uh, came true. Like, so what happens when you have a will? You, whatever, go get the will legalized. You, you go, I don't know, court, whatever, and get everything so you know that what is mine is not going to be to the person that I give the stuff to through the will. It's a contract. So I can only just imagine God just saying to Jesus, Let's make this will. Let's make this will. And your death, Jesus, is what's gonna bring you as the high priest to sacrifice yourself, your blood, so that my people can enter into the holy place. That's why I said we have it so good. We renewed change, receiving the salvation of Jesus Christ. We are not, we are not covered by the blood of the animals and, the, and the, the, the animals with blemishes, but we're covered by the blood of Jesus that was shed. And that's why I'm not trying to make this super hyped up or emotional, but I just want you guys to understand how this new covenant with Jesus as your high priest, how it unlocks, it unlocks your freedom to come to him. It unlocks your freedom to worship him. Because he came as the pure sacrifice. And that's the covenant that now we, children of God, as to mention, by the Spirit, cry out, Abba, Father, was because Jesus gave his life, walked into the most holies of holies, tore, tore down that curtain, and placed his blood on that mercy seat. I don't know what I would do without the presence of the king. So many times in my life, so many things that just went wrong, moments I should have been dead, moments where I was struggling with suicide, with depression. I just want to tell you guys how real it is as having Jesus. Just a quick little testimony since not a lot of people here really know about maybe my life or kind of uh, where I came from. But um, so I was born in the, in the East Coast, moved here through some broken things, had to come here with my, uh, my mom and my family, well, my mom and my brothers. And living here, man, from the East Coast, I hated it so much. It was so bad. I would, I would stay up at night and I would just punch the floor because I hated it so badly here. I, I was like a 12-year-old kid. I wanted to be with my friends. We grew up quadding from one town to another, doing whatever we wanted in the boonies. Like, it was awesome. <laughs> and coming here, city, I was in like southeast Portland. And like, my mom didn't even let me step outside because she's like, you're going to get kidnapped. I'm like, all right. Yeah, talk about going from that to that. 
it, it, was, it was insane. But uh, crazy thing, so whatever I managed, graduated high school. And the day after I graduated from high school, I went, uh, I moved out straight to the Dallas. I went to the Dallas and I just started working. So I was like, all my friends went to like the after school, all night party thing. I'm like, yo, forget that. I'm going to go make some money. <laughs> so, um, so I just went. And it was, I'm going to remember this week for the rest of my life because it was the worst week of my life the furthest I've ever been from God. And I remember uh, it was it was uh, Father's Day of 2013, and I, man, I called my dad, and I was like, Dad, how's it going? We talked. It, it, was, it was good, but I was just so caught up in my own things that it was kind of like, hey, Dad, yeah, awesome, like, Happy Father's Day, blah, blah, blah. Okay, yeah, I'm here with my friends. I'm just gonna, I'm just, like, happy Father's Day. See ya. It was so pity. It was so pity. I look back, it was so pity. A day, maybe two later, uh, our work gets canceled at like early in the morning, seven, because it just, it's just flooding in the Dells. And I'm sitting in the car in like a, a Fred Myers parking lot. And I get a text, and someone's like, David, I'm so sorry. I'm just like, what? What are you sorry for? I'm like, you didn't do nothing to me. You're my cousin. Like, we're close. I haven't seen you in a few years because you're on the East Coast, but why are you sorry for? And then my other cousin calls me. He's like, David, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, what, are you, what is everyone being sorry for? I'm so confused. And... And in that moment, uh, my, I believe my other cousin called me and he said, David, they, they found your dad passed away in some random truck stop in, in Ohio. And he's just been, he's, we were trying to find him, we were trying to contact him for like, th for like since Father's Day and like two days and we just, and we couldn't find him and somehow um, they, they noticed that this truck was just sitting at the truck stop for this many days and they finally got into it and they, they found a man and it was in that moment my life, like, it flipped upside down. And for, and next thing, so after that, I remember literally the next day, I hop on a plane and I'm already on my way to the East Coast for uh, my, my dad's funeral. And, and I just remember it being such a hard moment to live through at such a young age, at an age when I was supposed to be figuring things out. I was supposed to have my dad by my side. I was supposed to kind of have him, you know, direct me, guide me. He was supposed to show me how, you know, to get situated. You know, he's supposed to be the person I call when I don't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that was... You know, when I, when I was struggling through things, when I was, you know, didn't have anyone to talk to and I could just come to him, he was supposed to be, that was supposed to be him. And for the entire year, entire year after that, I would play it off so well. People are like, man, how are you doing after everything? I'm like, oh man, you know, it's tough, but I'm so like, I, I got it. Like it, it don't affect me anymore. But I remember after every time 
hanging out with friends, every time I would be out with people, I would get, I would get, I would get into my car, I would sit, and it was like this. I'd sit in my car and I just would break down. And it wasn't the kind, it wasn't, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just as if it was just from like an overflow of just me holding it in. I would just break down. I would just cry. I would cry. I would cry. And there was so much sorrow, so much hurt built up. But I remember in those moments, so vividly, so, so vividly, when the devil would attack me, devils would say, you are not worth nothing. You're not going to amount to anything. What, you, you don't have a dad to help you. You don't have this. You don't have that. How are you going to make it? How are you going to have someone show you how to, um, you know, uh, open a business how you want to? How do you want, how, how, like, things like, who are you going to go to talk to? And the devil just beat me and beat me because guess what? The devil knows when to beat you when you're down. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So it was a perfect moment for him in my life to kill, to steal, and destroy any hope that I had left. And I'm not telling this to make you guys to stir up some emotions, but I just want to tell you that God did such a mighty work in my life in that year. God did such a mighty work in my life. I had every excuse in the world. If you thought, had, if you, thought you had an excuse, I had a greater excuse. I would, come up, I would come up with the greatest excuse. To say, ah, oh, you know, it is, it doesn't, it's not going to work out. I'm not going to lift up from where I was. But God, I just see in my life how graciously God came in into my life as the as the one who gave it all, as the one that, 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 that gave his blood on the mercy seat, that, that, that opened up the, the curtain so that I can come in, so I can just come in and press into him. Those moments where I didn't know what I was doing. Look, guys, I'm telling you this because God became my father. God became my father. I didn't have an earthly father, but God, Jesus, became my heavenly father. When I had no one to come to talk to, I would go to him. And let me tell you, it was hard. It was hard. It was so hard. There's moments where there was doubt. There's moments where I was like, I'm doing this for no reason. It's not getting easier. It's kind of hard. He came as the highest priest so that you can know him as your father. So when you have no one to run to, when you have no one to cling to, when you have no one to give you advice of how to do this, of how to do that, so you can run through those curtains. Come on, guys. That veil was torn. The presence of God just broke through. And now we have just full access into the kingdom and into the Father's hands.
we're gonna we're gonna begin to worship. So if worship team can come up. Am I actually we're gonna go, we're gonna go here. Hebrews 4.14 says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help, uh, grace to help in time of need. Just like in my life in those moments where I didn't know what I was doing, when I didn't have an earthly father to run to, and Jesus was my heavenly father and I would just come and I would just, and he would guide my steps. Guys, there's no way, if you knew me four or five years ago, you, there's no way that you would think that I would ever be in this place. Let me, let me tell you something. When God grabs control of your life, he's going to take you places that you've never expected. When you make him the high priest of your life, he's going to raise you up. doesn't matter if you don't have an earthly father. doesn't matter what you have, what you don't have. I'm telling you from firsthand experience, when you declare him as the high priest of your life, he's going to take you places you never thought you can go. When you press in to the king, He's going to take you places you never thought. I remember 2014, I went on a road trip with my, uh, with my cousins. We went, we went around uh, America just in a car, five guys in a, in a Hyundai in Elantra. Dude, we were, it was so bad. Three of us were in the back just squished like this, feet up like that. It was crazy. And we were driving. We went everywhere, just all throughout America. And I remember at the very last, at the very last uh, place when we uh, we ended up in Pennsylvania, and I went to I went to a youth camp, and it changed my life forever. It changed my life. I remember this moment. It was the last night of the youth camp, and I just remember worship being so powerful. The word that was spoken was so for me. It was in that moment, and I went up, and I just kneeled down at the altar. And I, uh, and I said, Jesus, I want to live my life for you. In this moment, I was not, I was, I didn't even, I wasn't doing like ministry heavily involved or anything. Like I was just floating around. I was just kind of doing, going wherever the wind took me. I was like, whatever, I'll go here, I'll go there. You know, I was like, I didn't know what was, where my life was going to go. But I just remember that moment so vividly in the presence of God. I just, we were, I was up. I was at the altar and I look and I see the worship team, how they were just worshiping. And guys, just random worship team.
from a small town in Pennsylvania. They were amazing, but it was, it was just incredible how God just ordained everything. But in that moment, I just looked and said, God, I want to be a part of something like this. And I remember in that moment, I just laid down my life. I said, God, whatever it's going to take, I just want to be used by you. I know I have these, these talents. I could whatever, sing whatever, but God, I don't even, it's not even about that. I want to be so used by you. And I just remember that simple moment, nothing crazy. My friend came, prayed for me. And it was from that simple moment of me just coming saying, Jesus, I want to know you more. I want to rely on you as my heavenly father, as the one that no matter where the wind blows, the wind's not going to blow me no more. I'm not going to be just, just a leaf that's going to, oh, well, this is nice. Okay, well, this is nice. No, I want to stand my ground. I want to have you as the foundation of my life. And I just remember laying down my life in that moment and just being, feeling so secure in Jesus, so like I was like on re reinstated, just re-put on the on the right path. I don't even know if that made sense. But I'm not here to I don't wanna I don't wanna hype up any emotion. That's man, we're we're way more mature than that. And 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 I believe that we all know the price that Jesus paid that through his through his sacrifice his blood being shed out giving us access into the throne room of grace I just really want to press in right now I just really want to press in right now to the king of kings really really just press in he made the way for us to be able to press into his presence. So we're just gonna stand up and we're just gonna we're just gonna begin to pray. I know that what God has done in my life, the way that God used my circumstance that the devil tried to lower me down, that the devil tried to kick me when I was already down. God took that and he took that and he fueled me with his love. He fueled me with his grace that when people looked at me, they said, you're not going to amount to anything because you, you don't have a father to go to. You're not going to amount. Oh, you're just going to be doing, you're going to be like a low life. I had people that were speaking so low into my life that at one point when I did believe it, I had these, I had crazy thoughts. I thought I wasn't, I wasn't going to amount to anything. I had the, I want to tell you, Jesus paid the way so you don't have to go through that, so you don't have to live through that. He, guys, the curtain was torn. The earth couldn't handle what Jesus did on that cross. The earth groaned, mourned. So we can come into the presence of the Savior. And despite our circumstance, we can come to him and we can say, Lord, you see where I'm at? I just, every little thing that I have, 
want to give to you. So as we worship right now, we're just going to begin. Yeah, let's just go in. And we're just going to worship the King. And I believe the Spirit of God is going to move through this place. Because now you walk in knowing that Jesus came as the high priest, that there was no, there, that there was no, no uh, perfect lamb, that there was no perfect goat, no animal that could do what the pure blood of Jesus could do, that we can step in to the place of the most holies where I can come to him and say, Jesus, this is how I am, and, and, and take me, Lord. These are my doubts, Lord God. This is what, this is what I'm going through, Jesus. Take me. It's all in the place, in the place of the most holy. It's in the place of the most holy that you can lay down your life. It's in the place of the most holy where you can have perfect communion with the King. Where you can have perfect communion. You can come and bow at His feet. into the most holies of holies through the sacrifice of Jesus through the new covenant that we now walk in through the covenant of the blood of Jesus it's the new covenant the new covenant the new covenant that I can now fix my eyes on higher things I can now fix my eyes higher than the things that used to bound me higher than the things that used to bring me down
Now in this moment, I'm gonna give two altar calls. The first one is for the person that's never received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And they, and they say, I wanna walk in this new covenant, the covenant with Jesus Christ as my high priest of my life, where nothing will be able to bring me down, no circumstance. Let me tell you, having Jesus as, your, as the high priest of your life is the greatest thing that can ever happen. To lay down your life, to have him pick you up is the greatest thing that you can ever do. And I'm telling you, from firsthand experience, through my wretchedness, through, through my disobedience, God took a filthy mess and he lifted it up. A, a mess that didn't have a future, a mess that, that didn't know where he was going because people would just put him down. I want to tell you, if you feel like you've been put down in your life, Jesus' blood covers that too. The blood that was sacrificed. So I just want to say, if there's anyone that you, I just want to give this opportunity to if this just touched you in any way, you just want to, you want to receive Jesus as your life, as your Lord and Savior of your life, and you want to just make him the highest priest of your life, we just want to, we just want to honor that decision, and you can just come out, we want to pray for you, we want to stand in the gap for you, so if there's anybody here, and you are brave enough to come out and to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Please come out in this moment. We just wanna, we just wanna show you the love of the Father. And it's not gonna make me feel any worse or better. But for you, it's the greatest decision. So just in this moment, 
if you're just hungry for Jesus, if you wanna, if you wanna ex experience him as the high priest of your life, if you just wanna know him in a greater measure, see this isn't for the people, this isn't only for the people that don't know him. Cause see, you can, you can go through ministry, you can, uh, you can go through the motions and you can still not have him as your high priest. That's scary. That's just mind-blowing. You can go through the system and not have Jesus as the Lord and the high priest. So it's in this moment, I just want to invite you just to sit in the presence of the Savior, the one who tore down that veil, and now that we have access to him. So if you're hungry for him, if you want to know him in a, just in a greater measure, I just invite you to come right now. And I believe the Spirit of God is going to touch you. He's going to reveal Himself to you as the highest priest of your life. And you're going to know Him in a greater measure, a different realm than from where you've known or experienced Him before. So just in this moment, I just encourage you. We would love to pray for you and just to minister to you. But we're just going to go into worship. So if at any moment you feel drawn, I, rec I just highly just say, don't let this moment pass you by. Jesus is here and he wants to encounter you. He wants you to come to his feet. So let's just begin to worship.